1: This week, we'll hear about the winner of the Don LaFontaine Spirit Award, Dave Cravozier's new book, and an emerging trend in children's voice casting. In the biz, I'm interviewing Jennifer Smith, talent services manager at Voices.com, about how to create a fabulous web presence followed by Steve Spiehager in Tech Talk. Here we go.
0: The Loop, informing you of news and current voiceover events.
1: Source Elements teamed up with the SAG Foundation to present the inaugural Don LaFontaine VoiceOver Lab Spirit Award. The winner of the award is Rebecca Davis, a voiceover professional who places a great value on the Don LaFontaine VoiceOver Lab, a facility created in honor of the movie trailer icon with the purpose of helping voice actors learn and practice their craft. In industry news, Dave Cravozier is about to release his book, More Than Just a Voice, The Real Secret to VoiceOver Success. The book will be available in print and in digital format. Dave has been writing a voiceover blog for seven years, and after hearing about how helpful people have found his blog to be, he decided to bring all of that information together into a book. More than just a voice covers an extensive array of topics related to home studios, business, and marketing. Of special interest is an entire section of the book, complete with links dedicated to industry resources. And just as we've seen trends for voice talent to sound less announcery and more like a real person, there appears to be an emerging trend where clients are stipulating that the reads for children's voiceover jobs be provided by genuine child voice actors and not by adults who can sound like children. Have you been noticing this? Be sure to comment on the Vox Talk Podcast Facebook page.
0: The Biz, helping you grow your voiceover business.
1: This week in The Biz, I'm really pleased to bring Jennifer Smith into the studio. Jennifer is the talent services manager at Voices.com, and she helps people to do, well, just about everything to help them succeed at the site. Now, Jennifer,
2: welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Jennifer, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Voices.com? Of course, Stephanie. So my job here at Voices.com is to help somebody get started on the website. So, you know, I take the phone calls from people that are saying, hey, I've always been told that I've had a great voice. How do I get started in the business? I I also help the professional talent get started, you know, giving people guidance and uh, direction on how to use the site efficiently and, you know, ensure their success.
1: Well, that's wonderful. And I know that many people have really benefited from working with you and asking the questions and, and you even finding things that they could improve upon without... Uh, them necessarily knowing themselves that it was an area that required that. So um, while we're talking, why don't you just share a little bit more about where you came from, like what you're interested in and, and how
2: that comes through in your job? Well, thanks for asking. So I find that I really like to give people advice more about the business side of things. You know, I've I've always been in a, a sales and customer service role. And I find that a lot of times the voice talent that come to our site are, you know, very artistic Artistic, but might not always think about the business side of things. And I like to let them know that, you know, they're not just being a voice actor, they're starting a business, they need to learn how to sell themselves, market themselves, they need to learn how to handle rejection and be persistent. Uh, there's so many different things that you have to think about when you're starting a business. It's not just about doing the voiceovers.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think people tend to forget that, don't they? They just think it's about my voice, but it isn't because there's so much more, as you know, to what we do. And so could you just maybe outline the three things. I think we often talk about education, about being business savvy and having those technical skills. Now, um, what would you advise someone who says, well, I have a great voice, but
2: maybe they need help in another area? So my first kind of three questions that I always ask somebody is, do you have equipment at home so that you can record it from home? You know, with sites like Voices.com, it just makes it so easy for everybody to work from home and work with clients remotely. Uh, Whether it's through Voices.com, with their agent, all kinds of different ways. So initially, you really have to think about that. You need to be able to work from home. You need to have the convenience of doing something at the last minute for your client. Uh, there's so many different things that you know make it so much easier to work from home. Uh, then I always talk to people about coaching and demos. So you definitely want to make sure that you've worked with a voiceover coach and worked with them enough that you'll be able to go on to record a demo. Uh, Then, you know, from there, after you've got a demo and you know your ability to record, you've worked with a voiceover coach, you're pretty much well on your way to actually start marketing yourself.
1: And that I think is one of the ways that voice talent uh, struggle is that they don't know how to market themselves. So, what can they do, Jennifer, when they're using
2: Voices.com to actually get the most out of it? So, what I like to talk about is filling out your profile. So, Voices.com is an online marketplace and, well, it's an electronic system. I like to say, you know, it's only as smart as a computer can be. If you don't give the system the information about yourself and you know let the site know that you're interested in radio commercials and cartoons, well it's not going to figure it out on its own. Um, You really have to learn how to put keywords into your profile. Uh, You know you have to learn how to describe your voice so that our search engine will pick up on those keywords and pull up your demos in a search for example so that you're able to uh, to be found by that client so that they can hire you. You know, filling out your profile with lots of keywords is definitely good. As a beginner, I would say, you know, I realize you maybe don't have a lot to go off of to talk about experience and so on. I always like to say that you need to fake it till you make it. So, try to have confidence in what you're doing and what you're talking about and stick to the positive things. You know, you don't need to point out that you haven't done a voiceover before, but maybe instead talk about what your voice sounds like and what you're interested in and the types of voiceover work that you'd like to do. Uh, and just try to steer away from from letting them know that you're just getting started. You want to make sure that they're going to feel comfortable about working with you. Uh, Then after you've filled out your profile really well, it's all about adding your demos to your profile. So with Voices.com, it's a little bit different than maybe say like a the traditional norms where you would have just a a commercial and a narration demo. We break it down just a little bit further. So you're going to see categories like business, internet, educational, radio, television. Uh, And the best thing to do is to try and have demos that are shorter and more targeted and to have several demos so that you can have something under every category that you're interested in. This is going to make sure that you're getting the most visibility in our search directory. When you add those demos, you get to describe them, add tag words. Again, the keywords that you put into those demos are again going to add to your searchability. For example, say you do celebrity impressions. You might want to make sure that you've got a demo that covers every impression that you do. And when you're add that demo to your profile, list all the names that, of the people that you're impersonating, you know, have Morgan Freeman in there, have CM Elliott and so on, so that somebody will be able to pull up that demo, listen to your impression, they're going to love it and want to hire you.
1: Well, you brought up actually a very interesting topic, and that is um, impersonations and, and sound alike and, and just being able to sound like someone who or perhaps is a celebrity. Um, you mentioned Morgan Freeman. I know that there are a number of people on our site who are very good at, at actually doing that Morgan style voice voice Um, but one thing I think that we caution people to do though is that when they have a demo like that that um, you are more or less speaking in the style of that celebrity, as opposed to saying that you are them. So do you have any advice on maybe just how to position their demo in that light so that people know I'm not being Morgan Freeman, like I'm not professing to be him, but I am speaking in the style of Morgan Freeman.
2: Mm -hmm. So what's interesting to know is that you can't actually copyright a voice. So you can have a copyright on written material. Uh, You are able to say that you sound like Morgan Freeman, but not able to say I am Morgan Freeman. So, what is good to do is to make sure that you clearly explain that, you know, this is a sound alike or it's in the style of Morgan Freeman. You know, I've had somebody say to me the other day that, you know, I just need to sound like a good storyteller to be able to mimic Morgan Freeman or give that kind of style.
1: Well, that's interesting. And I know Rodney Salisbury has recently spoken on this on a Voiceover Experts podcast where he was talking about how you had to find the right key, that if you're going to sound like somebody, it's more or less about finding where that spot is, where you need to be speaking, the tone of your voice and how it carries, than it necessarily is about how you sound exactly like them. So I appreciate that. Thanks, Jen. All right. So, so far, I think all our listeners understand that the profile is very important, that you're going to have all of your skills, uh, your background, maybe who you studied with, the voice coaches, your studio equipment, all of that outlined. And of course, demos that represent your voice, because if you don't have a demo up, frankly, you're not found in the search engine. So uh, that's another good tip that you had there to make sure they had multiple demos so that they could be in different categories reflecting the type of work that they can do. Um, But why does all this matter, Jen? Like, why does having all that information? information in the profile factor so strongly into how the site
2: works. Well, I'd be happy to explain. So not only are clients able to go through our directory and find you, they also post jobs publicly on our site. So what they'll do is they'll post a job and say, "I want to hire a male that speaks English with a North American accent that can do my radio commercial." And the system is going to match you up to all of those job postings and then Put them into your hiring list for you to choose from. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, if that matches you, you're going to see around 50 to 60 jobs a day you could audition for, way more than you'd ever be able to handle. So the next step uh, is to decide which auditions are the best ones to go for. And Voices.com actually has a matching system called Voice Match. You'll see when you're looking through the list of auditions, it'll say you're either 90, 95, or 100% matched to a job. What it's doing is it's looking at how you filled out your profile. So for example, you can add languages to your profile and we've got languages with different accents associated with them. So we've got English with a North American accent, English with a British accent, and so on. And when you're listing those languages, you're gonna list them in order of importance. Whichever language you have listed first, you'll get a higher voice match score for those jobs. Uh, You'll also get a higher voice match score for jobs that you've got uh, a demo under that category. So say you've got a demo under radio and television. Well, you're going to get a higher voice match score for jobs under radio and television. Uh, We assume that because you have those demos, you're either more interested or more qualified in that type of work. Now, the reason that the voice match score is so important, though, is because it can help you to decide quickly which auditions are the best ones to go for. And then one step further, you should know that when a client reviews their auditions, they're actually listed for them by default in order of the voice match score instead of being in the order that they came in. So If you see that 60 people have already auditioned for this one job, but you've got 100% for your voice match score, you're going to want to audition for that one, even if it's later in the day, because when that client goes in to look at the auditions next, yours is going to get bumped up to the top of their list.
1: And that is very beneficial. I know there are a lot of people who maybe can't get to the audition right away because they're working on a job they've already booked or they're doing some editing or, or they're marketing or something like that. They might be auditioning um, for the jobs and, and having to prioritize. So um, would you say that people should go after the higher um, percentage matches than say, you know, oh, there's an 80% one that I think looks really cool because I love doing characters. But But if you're not quite as matched to something, um, maybe you should be going after the ones that you are first in a a higher
2: sense, would you say? Definitely. So if you've only got an hour or two a day to be able to do your auditions, you know, it's, there's a lot of them to choose from and you want to make sure that you're going for ones that are going to be heard and that you have a good chance of getting hired for. So what I would say is to audition for the ones with the highest voice match score first. Now, I know Stephanie brought up, well, maybe there's a job that's at 80% that you really actually would like to do. Well, then maybe it's time to reevaluate and try to figure out why that job's only at 80%. Maybe we need to go back and look at your profile and add something to it to make sure that next time a job comes across like that, it's not going to be at 80%. It's going to be a little bit higher. Um, another quick tip I should suggest is that when you add your demos, you're also going to add tag words to your demos. Uh, for example, like professional and friendly, and you'll see at the bottom of a, a voices.com job posting, it's going to say that they want it to sound like professional and friendly. And if you're tag words match up to the ones that the client selected in their job. Again, you're going to get a higher voice match score. So all of these little things do matter. If you want to learn a little bit more about how that's calculated, you can go to voices.com forward slash voice match and you'll see a breakdown of how the points are added up. It's very simple, it's nothing complicated, uh, but it's something that you should pay attention to. Now another thing though that you should pay attention to is how recently was the job posted? So I would say that if you've got a limited amount of time available to you, uh, maybe you're only auditioning once a week. I, I would suggest auditioning for the jobs that were posted most recently and the ones that were that have the highest voice match score. Uh, One way you can easily organize your list of auditions though uh, is when you're looking at the hiring list, you'll see that there's columns all along the top. and every column, you can click on the title to sort the column. Uh, So the first one on the far left is the job number. If you sort the list based on the job number, you click on that word twice and it'll show a little arrow pointing down. It's going to sort it in descending order. That's actually going to show you the highest job number at the top of the list, which was the one that was most recently posted. Take a look at which ones are most recently posted, look over at your voice match score column, And I think if you choose the ones at the top of the list with the highest voice match score, you'll have the best chance of those ones being listened to and and getting hired for those. Mm -hmm. And there's so much
1: more we could talk about. And I definitely want to have you back, Jen. Um, But maybe in a future episode, and I I think the listeners will agree, be sure to comment on the Facebook page, let us know. But uh, there are other tips that you give out as well. In fact, there's a whole sheet that I have in front of me just completely full of tips that Jennifer has that she generously gives to people who are asking asking for them. Um, and I think in future, we will definitely discuss just auditioning and how to audition well and, and how they can really stand out using the tips that you have. But uh, I want to thank you, Jennifer, for being on the show today. And we look forward to having you back soon. Well, thanks so much for having me.
2: I'll be happy to come back.
0: Tech Talk, walking you through the technological
3: landscape. Hello again from Southwest Florida. This is Steve Spiehager with some more Tech Talk. In a previous podcast, we explained how by simply positioning your microphone, you can virtually eliminate plosives or p-pops and either eliminate or take advantage of what's known as the proximity effect. Today, we'll take a look at how you can arrange the landscape of your VO work area to maximize the quality of the recording and the monitoring of your productions. Let's take another quick look at microphone mounting and placement. If your microphone is mounted on a desk stand or has one built in, and if it's sitting on a hard surface desktop, it's very vulnerable to pick up vibrations from that surface. My computer sits in a compartment of a fairly large computer desk, and the vibration created by its internal fan, even though I couldn't hear it, was being mechanically transmitted to the microphone and showing up in my recordings. In addition, any inadvertent tapping or contact with the desk was recorded. Shock mounts, those devices which suspend the microphone by elastic cords, are very effective, but they can be quite expensive. I solved my problem by placing my microphone and desk stand on some scraps of foam, similar to what is used in packing and protecting equipment in shipping cases. Another benefit was the raising of the microphone to the level of my mouth when seated at my desk. Now a quick look at monitor speaker placement. Most high quality monitors have two or more speakers, sometimes called drivers. The larger one, usually between 5 and 12 inches in diameter, transmits the low or bass frequencies, while one or more smaller speakers deliver the higher frequencies, which provide the intelligibility. As we consider speaker placement, it's important to realize that low frequencies are quite non-directional, while the higher frequencies travel in straight lines from their source to their destination. As a result, it is very important to place your monitor speakers with the high frequency drivers at approximately the same height as your ears and angle the speakers toward your head. This will give you the maximum acoustic accuracy that your monitors are capable of delivering. I use some more stacks of foam to elevate my speakers, with the additional benefit of minimizing the mechanical transmission of speaker vibrations to my desktop. I hope these tips are helping to take what you already have and use it to the maximum quality and efficiency. Until next time, this is Steve Spiehager from sunny southwest Florida, reminding you to follow your dreams.
1: That's really useful information. Thank you so much, Steve. If you have a comment, be sure to post it on our Facebook page so that we can keep the conversation going there.
0: VoxBox. Sharing your audio feedback.
1: Last week's interview with Sergio received glowing reviews. We're working on a way to develop and share additional resources for Spanish voice actors in their own language. And we're also open to hearing about those specific topics that you want to see presented. If there's something that you want to see covered, whether it be in a blog format or a podcast, then what you can do is email those ideas to Stephanie at voices.com. All right, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening and also for staying subscribed. If you haven't found us yet... You can do so through iTunes or you could find us on Facebook. Either way, we're here for you. I'm Stephanie Cicerelli. Thank you again for joining me, and we'll see you next week.